Hi, everybody. I'm Sunny, and this is We Gotta Talk, a live weekly digital talk show and podcast where we like to dig deep. Real talk, big topics. Now, let's dig in. Hi, friends, and welcome to the latest episode of We Gotta Talk. I'm Sunny, and I am so glad you're here. So this holiday season, we are providing you guys with some a different way to look at this busy time of year. So last week, we talked a little bit about dealing with the difficult emotions that can come from um, being around a lot of family and loved ones during holiday gatherings. And this week, we're helping you manage your energy and time better. Today's guest is Tanya Dalton. She is a keynote speaker the best-selling author of the book, The Joy of Missing Out, which was a top 10 business book of the year by Fortune Magazine. She's a VIP contributor to Entrepreneur Magazine, and her mission is just to help us relearn what it means to be productive, that it's not necessarily about how much you check off of that to-do list, but that you're doing what's most important. Tanya, welcome to the show, and thank you so much for being here today. I'm thrilled to be here. I, I love this conversation that you're having, especially during this time of year that feels so hectic and crazy. And like, we all have 5 million things to do. <laughs> yeah. It really is the perfect time to pause and reflect on this, right? What it means to be productive. Don't you think so? Absolutely. Well, this is a big time too of reflection. So not mm -hmm. only is it like one of the most stressful times of the year, because we have 5 million things going on and we're doing everything we can to make this holiday magical, which means stressing ourselves out, overworking mm -hmm. ourselves, right? Stretching ourselves thin. And at the same time, we're like gearing up for 2023, wanting to figure out what are our goals going to be? What do I want to do for the coming year? So there's a lot of pressure at this time of year. There really is. There it's is. A great time to talk about it. Something that really caught my eye when I was browsing your website was you have this one bullet point under uh, working with me or working with Tanya. And it said something like how you react to Natalie Portman can be an indicator of your saying, you gotta just, we have to lead off with this. This is so <laughs> uber specific, Tanya. What does it all mean? And what's the it question really, again? Well, okay. So there's this really fascinating thing that happens where we set these goals for ourselves and we get all excited about it. And then weeks later, we're like, oh, I have no fire for it. I'm not excited for it. I don't know what's happening. Right. And we feel like failures because we don't accomplish the goals that we set. But the way you think about Natalie Portman totally affects how you look at your goals. So let, let, me, let me tell you how this works. It's, it's really interesting because scientists were studying the brain using an fMRI machine. And what an fMRI machine does is it lights up your brain and it shows up the areas of your brain that are engaged when you think about different things. Mm -hmm. So the scientists asked these study participants to think about themselves and a certain part of their brain lit up nice and bright, like the holiday lights right now, right? Lights up. Then they said, okay, think about yourself in the future. Now, the future could be five minutes from now, could be five years from now, but just sometime in the future, a very different area of the brain lights up. So not the same area. What's fascinating to me, though, is that when they showed pictures of Natalie Portman and Matt Damon, and they said, think about these people, that same area of their brain would light up as the, that lights up for us when we think about ourselves in the future. So in other words, when we think about who we are in the future, we don't think about it as us. We think about it as a stranger that we kind of know, as we sort of know. And this explains why we struggle a lot of times with setting really good goals and then achieving them. Because 
you know, why, why say for the 401k, instead of buying these fabulous pair of shoes, the person who has to deal with the 401k, that's not me. I don't have to deal with that. It's just someone who looks like me and has the same name as me, right? Why, why don't I eat the, the cookie instead of the carrot? All of these things translate into how we think about ourselves. And if we're not thinking about how our actions of today really benefit us in the future, it's really easy to understand why there's this disconnect. Yeah. Okay. So, so the lesson here is we need to identify more with that future version of Sunny or that future version of Tanya so that our actions today are better in order to get us there. Right. Yeah. So it's like, absolutely. oh yeah, I can be it, Natalie Portman or I can be Matt Damon. <laughs> right. <laughs> is that what, a, is that the lesson here? Yeah. So this, this is what's really interesting too, is if you pull out a picture and what's great is in today's world, there's all these filters that you can use on all these different apps to age progress yourself. If you mm -hmm. look at a picture of yourself age progress to about the age of 65, you will actually save more money for your retirement account because you've made that connection between me today and me in the future. So it really is drawing that connection. So your brain is like, oh, this is actually going to help us. So um, am I also hearing that we need to believe in ourselves more? I mean, we see these people, these actresses as very accomplished, very successful. And sometimes, especially depending on how we're feeling in that moment, we can feel so apart from that possibility. Or like that could never be me. I could never be that rich or I could never be that successful. How do we make that connect though, Tanya? Because we do want to show up as the Natalie Portman of our own lives, you know, five, 10 years down the line. So what's the first step in, in building that bridge? Yeah, I love this question because the truth is a lot of times where we are today and where it is we want to go in the future, it feels really far apart. It feels like this giant chasm, like the Grand Canyon, right? And we think to ourselves, how am I ever going to get across the Grand Canyon? When the truth is, if we just take small steps each and every day, tiny steps, one after the other, we can actually go down the canyon walls of the Grand Canyon, make our way across and go up the other side in a single day. Mm. <laughs> so it really is the small steps that count. But it's easy. It's so easy to get overwhelmed. It's so easy to feel like, who am I to do these things? And that's why I think it's so important to use a process that I call wayfinding in order to connect that future of where you want to go. So we can dive into that if you want really quickly. Yeah, I really love you. And, and may I add a little shout out to my husband who did that hike in the Grand Canyon in one day with a busted knee, never having any oh. hiking experience. I feel like his brain should be studied for science. He's like odd in the best ways possible. And I'm always like, what the hell were you thinking? You literally have no hiking experience. And, but, you know, literally like a swollen busted knee and everything. But I, you know, I just had to give that shout out because it is possible, apparently, even as a novice hiker or even as the person of today to become the Natalie Portman of tomorrow with those small steps, right, Tanya? Yeah. Even with a busted knee, you never know, even, right? Even I mean, busted knee. That's the All thing. Right, so talk about was was it wayfinding? Was that what you just way said? Wayfinding. Yeah. Tell us yeah. about that. So, so okay. So if we were to draw it like a timeline, here you are today, and here all the way down this timeline, like when you were in second grade when you made a timeline. Here is where I want to go. This is my potential in ten years, twenty years. This is the potential of where I want to go. That's really far away, right? And it feels very daunting. Well, let's back up the timeline and bring that timeline a little closer. If that's the potential of where you can go in 10 or 20 years, what do you think is what do you think is possible in three to five years along that mm -hmm. timeline? What do you need to do in three to five years to get you to that potential? Right. So we back it up. But three to five years, that's still Natalie Portman. <laughs> we're we're still looking too far into the future. So let's back it up again. If this is our potential in 10 to 20 years, back it up 
to what's possible in three to five years. What's practical then on this timeline? Mm. What's practical in the next 12 to 18 months? Okay, we're getting closer, right? Well, if this is what's practical on that timeline, this is what I could practically do in a year or a year and a half. What do I need to prioritize? What are the things I need to prioritize in the next three months, the next six months, the next nine months? Those priorities, those are your goals. And what we do is we take those goals. And if you think about the fact they're on a timeline, it's very connected to that potential. So it's getting you closer to that bright, beautiful future that you dream about. But it's so much easier. It's a small step. Even with a busted knee, you can make your way, right? I love that. So how specific do we have to be then? Because what I'm hearing is, yes, keep the keep the big goal in mind or what some people call like the vision board moments in mind. Um, right. But we're breaking it down into smaller steps, but like how specific do we have to be? I think we want to be specific, as specific as possible. And here's why. I think so often we set goals for ourselves like, uh, I want to make more money. Or mm -hmm. I want to do more things, you know, more hobbies or I want to. And that's really loose. How do you ever know when you've accomplished it? And I think this feeds into this idea of never doing enough. If we don't define what that looks like from the start, we never reach enough. Enough becomes this bucket with a hole in it that's never filled. We all right. have that feeling sometimes like, oh, I haven't done enough today, even though we were busy all day long. If you start by defining what enough looks like, then you're going to know, oh, I've gotten here or, oh, I'm at the halfway point. So when you're figuring out what you want to prioritize, when you're setting your goals for yourself, you do want to be specific. You want to make sure that they are something that you can measure, but you want to make sure, too, that you put some grace in there. So one of the things I talk about is actually the impact method of setting your goals. So one of the, the M in there is making them measurable. We want to be able to measure them. So let's say, let's say that your, your potential, which you're really looking at that you want to do long-term is you want to be really healthy and active in your eighties and nineties. That's a fabulous potential, right? We all want to mm -hmm. be healthy and active. So if we think about, and we go through that timeline, our priorities probably are not about losing five or 10 pounds. Let's let that go. It's really about eating healthy or moving our body more, right? Because that's going to get us to that healthy lifestyle in our eighties or nineties. So when we're setting that goal for ourselves of let's say it is something like I want to I want to eat healthier for the coming year. That's mm. really loose. What does healthier look like? How often are you going to eat healthy? How do you know when you've accomplished it? So instead of just saying I want to eat healthier, maybe you say I want to make sure I'm cooking food at home four times a week. Mm -hmm. Right. Do you see how we're specific cooking food at home? Yeah. So we're not going out for fast food and we're doing it four times a week. But what we want to do is we want to also make sure that while we're setting that measurement, we're not making it so rigid that it's hard to accomplish. Or that's such a fine line though, right? Right. Because what happens is we say, oh, I want to eat healthy four times a week. We have a week where we only eat healthy two times or once or not at all. And we go, oh, I failed. That's it. And you throw the whole goal away. We want to add in a lot of flexibility in there. We want to have some flexibility and some grace because life happens. Sometimes you're traveling. Sometimes it's a busy week. Sometimes you got a thousand things going on. So if we just use the word an average, I would like to eat healthy meals at home an average of four times a week. Mm -hmm. Do you see how that word average makes it easier if you have a week where you only ate twice that week? Okay, next week, I'm going to do better. I'm going to eat five times at home to bring up that average. 
So just mm -hmm. a simple little tweak, like giving yourself that grace, that really helps in building the momentum and making sure that you don't feel like you've failed or that you have to throw the whole goal out just because you have a bad week. We all have yeah. bad weeks. We all have times we get off track with our goals and that's okay. Yeah. I think that's the hardest part is, is that balance between granting ourselves the forgiveness we need because inevitably we're going to mess up along the way and, and keeping that sort of Natalie Portman version of ourselves, you know, that, that <laughs> idealized version of us in the future. What tips do you yeah. give people then when they, um, you know, besides reminding them to forgive themselves and to have some flexibility, like, what do you say to the person who says to you, listen, Tanya, I have, I've tried this before. I've like set goals before I've drawn my vision board before I've done it before I've set specific goals. I've worked toward them and inevitably it fails. Cause I'm sure people, a lot of people have started down this path and stopped mm -hmm. and just feel like, they can't do it. What do you say to those people who need that extra encouragement? Yeah. Well, okay. So first of all, one of the reasons why we often fail is because we're not setting the right goals. And by right, I mean the right goals for you. So mm -hmm. a lot of times we look around and we're like, oh, these people over here are doing amazing things. I should do more of that. Or this competitor in my industry, they're doing these things. So we should be doing that as a company or right. We look around and that's how we decide what our goal should be. Our measurement for success is not something that we have defined for ourselves. It's defined by what everybody else is doing. So doing really that wayfinding practice. Yeah, mm -hmm. that, that's a good way to make sure that your goals actually are aligned with that potential that you have, that dream that you desire in the future, right? Whether we're talking about you personally or your company that you're growing, right? What is it you want your company to do for you in 10 to 20 years and back it up? All of those Ooh. things, make sure that you're keeping it aligned. Right. Okay, let's let's I want to get to Jomo, but I need to dig on to some practical tips on this topic in particular. Say we have a business, we want to grow to X number of dollars or I don't even really know the technical term. Is it revenue? Is it profit? We don't know. Um, yes. Okay. Um, by let's say a year from now. What are the mm -hmm. specific things you have people? Is it do you have them write it down somewhere? Do you have them type it out? And what exact pieces of information should we be plugging into this so that we can then sort of reverse engineer our daily lives to reach that goal? Right. Because it goes back down to those small steps, right? The mm -hmm. daily habits and the daily actions you're creating for yourself. So it is starting off by looking at that big, bright, beautiful future and then backing it up. I am a very, very firm believer that goals should be written. Um, there's a very different area of your brain that is activated. It's called your reticular activating system. If we want to get all sciency here, but it is triggered when you write things down and you're actually much more likely to accomplish your goals and really anything on your to-do hmm. list. If you actually have it written down, your brain is triggered very differently than if you type it, than if you just say it out loud, you want to make sure that you're writing them down. So I think that's one of the things that's really important is writing your goals down and putting them in a place where you're actively seeing them on a daily basis. Right. Okay. Um, so we do need to be in the vicinity of that, that cue every day. It needs to be like, what, a post-it note or something. We need to see it every day. Yeah. I, well, a post-it note or something like that, or, you know, I generally, I write a word on my mirror of what I, what I want to feel like at the end of the day. And a lot of times it is tied to a bigger goal. And so mm -hmm. I check in, I make the decision in the morning as I'm brushing my teeth. And at night when I'm brushing my teeth again, at the end of the day, I'm looking at that word and I'm thinking, how did I incorporate that in my day? How did I accomplish it? And then with a nice dry erase marker on your mirror, you simply wipe it off and you start the next day fresh. So let's say you have a day where, oh, didn't happen. Today was a hot mess. It happens. Um, that day's a clear slate. Let's move on and move forward, right? 
But it is, it is really about those small actions, the daily actions. So when we're looking at a goal, like let's, let's go back to the one we talked about earlier about being healthy long-term into your eighties and nineties. And you set this goal for yourself of eating healthy an average of four times a week. What are some habits you would want to establish? Well, maybe, you know, if one of your challenges with eating healthy at home is that, you know, you don't have a lot of time, maybe Sunday becomes a prep day. Maybe you're writing down what you want to have for the week and you're kind of menu planning or you're, you know, chopping up the vegetables and or whatever and putting them into the fridge so that it's nice and easy to go. What are the little tiny actions you can take to make sure that you're staying active? Um, and so I think really getting super clear on what the habits are that mm -hmm. you want to establish, that's really helpful. Uh, because I think so often we do think it's the big the big things, but it is the small daily actions, right? The eating healthy four times a week or whatever it is you're wanting to do. Right. Oh, that makes so much sense. All right. Let's move into JOMO. I, we said this at the beginning of the interview, but this is the time, this is the perfect time of year to talk about this because um, everybody's busy and outwardly everybody seems to be having a great time, Tanya, at all these holiday parties. <laughs> and then we're at home in our sweatpants and t-shirts scrolling through social media, like, wait, what am I missing out on? I, I'm, I used to be, I'm like making the transition from FOMO to JOMO. I'm like a recovering extrovert. I think I will always find joy in people. It's my essence, but I'm married to a true introvert who really has helped me understand the benefits of fewer, better relationships and fewer, mm -hmm. better things. So JOMO is top of mind for a lot of people this year. Can you, can you tell us why it's important to be okay with missing out? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think there is so much joy. There's so much happiness hidden in the cracks and crevices of our everyday life. But we're so busy, we miss it, right? We're hustling on through life and we miss getting the chance to see them. Mm -hmm. So it, you, you kind of tapped in on this idea of, you know, it's not going and do, going to every single party, but it's choosing the parties. It's not saying no to everything. It's not mm -hmm. saying, oh, I can't do any of that. It's what do I really want? And I think that's the heart of it. Why do I want to do it? In The Joy of Missing Out, I have this whole finding your yes blueprint. Because it's not just about saying no. It's really about finding your yeses. What are the yeses that are meaningful to you? What are the things you actually want to do? And the mistake we make a lot of times is we ask ourselves, as soon as the opportunity arises, we're like, do I have the time? Mm -hmm. And that shouldn't be the first question we ask ourselves. Mm -hmm. Because here's the truth. If we say to ourselves, well, this is a 45 minute task. I have 15 minutes to do it. Yeah, I can do that. <laughs> right? We like to That's cram me. our day full. Yeah. Right? My day is like the highlighter bar on my calendar is just like, brrr, like all the way down. All overlapping. Yeah. It's all overlapping. Yeah. You're exhausted. yeah. So True. really what I want you to do is I want you to back up when an opportunity shows itself to you. And the truth is we're conditioned that when opportunity knocks, it only knocks once. So you better open up that door. Even if you don't know who you don't, you don't like who's knocking or you don't like what they're offering you, we feel like we should still say yes. So the first questions I want you to ask yourself is how do I feel? What's my immediate gut reaction to this? I think we forget our intuition is so powerful and it tells us before our brain does. Our body will tell us first. How do I feel about this opportunity? Do I feel like, ugh, I want to throw up because this sounds terrible? Or do I want to throw up because this feels exciting? Or do I feel really excited about this? Am I, you know, don't, don't just think, well, I feel like throwing up because it could be excitement or it could be, oh, this sounds awful. So first mm -hmm. check in. And if it's like, it feels awful, we know automatically that needs to be a no. 
we can talk about how to say no, because that's one of the challenges is we don't like to say no because we like to people please, right? But first check in with your body. Then ask yourself, why do I want to do this? Why, why is this important to me? And if you can't answer that question, why you want to do it, that's a no, right? So you see how we do these couple of check-ins? And then it's like, okay, does this tie in with my goals? Does this tie in with what I call your North Star, your mission, your vision, your core values? Okay, get a yes or no there. If it's a no, we move on. If it's a yes, okay, then the question becomes, do I have the time? Do you see how I didn't ask whether I had the time until like four questions in, right? Yeah. Instead of asking that first, let's first get to the heart of, do I want this? Does this fit what I desire? Does this fit what my body is telling me? And then we can say yes or no based off the time. But how do we, differ- how do we differentiate between um, anxiety and JOMO though? Because I think if, if you're an anxious person, especially a socially anxious person, I know a couple of these people who just um, the thought of any social interaction just immediately provokes the the pukey reaction. So how do, how people discern between their social anxiety and a true desire to stay to say no? Yeah, well, I think the first step is honestly to just get a little quieter with yourselves. Really ask yourself that question. Because I think what happens is we're going through life and it's just rushing. And mm-hmm. we're not really stopping to ask those questions about is this really anxiety or is this me, you know, not wanting to do this or what what is it? So tapping into that, I think one of the most powerful things we can do is ask ourselves, what's my thinking here? And again, your body will tell you first. So first, your body says, wants to throw up, or you get like a tension headache, or you get a little bit of stress in your shoulders. Instead of saying, this is a sign that this is not meant for me, ask yourself, what's the story in my head? What's Mm -hmm. the thought that's going on? Because there's something on a soundtrack in your head that's going through your mind. Like, oh, this is going to be a terrible opportunity. Or, oh, you're going to, this is, you're too shy. You can't do these things, right? Ask yourself, what's that story? What's the thought process going through? And we have to get kind of quiet to do that, right? Mm -hmm. We have to step aside and just be an observer. What is, what's the thought process going through? Okay. Is that story true? Is that a real story or is that just a story I'm telling myself? and really get to the heart of the way that you're thinking. I think one of the things that we have lost touch with is that ability to ask the question, why? When we were three years old, I mean, you can ask this of any mom who's got toddlers. They ask why five billion times a day. (laughs) They sure did that too. We would ask, why is this? Why is the sky blue? Why do I need to do this? What's going, you know, we asked all these why questions. And then we got older and we went to school and we were no longer rewarded, especially as women who are on the most part, a lot of us are really excelled at school because we love to play by the rules. We stopped asking questions because we were rewarded for answers, not for asking questions. So we've lost touch with that asking why, or we feel like, is that annoying or is that okay? When we should be asking ourselves why all throughout the day, why do I wanna do this? Why am I doing this? Why, Why is this opportunity right for me? Asking that question why is incredibly powerful and then tapping in to get that answer, that tells you how how you want to move forward. So how should we be looking at organizing our weeks then, whether this be events that we're potentially attending socially or things we actually have to do, grocery shopping, cleaning, et cetera, like help us 
plan, say it's a Sunday night, we're sitting down to look ahead at the week. Often I pop open my calendar and just take a breeze through. I am also notorious for forgetting to do that on day of. I'll be like on Sunday, I'm like, oh, I have this on Monday, Tuesday. And then on the actual day of, I forget. Anyway, that's a separate story. But walk us through <laughs> what, what a good Sunday looks like as we plan for the week. Like I said, bearing in mind, there are some mm -hmm. things we have to do and then other things we want to do. Yes, absolutely. And actually, in the joy of missing out, I walk through a process called the five P's of how you really design your weeks so that they feel so much more meaningful. And that first P is to purge, to get the list out of your head hmm. onto a sheet of paper. So I do this two times, actually, in my week. I do it once with my family, and we call that team planning. And then I do it once on Monday for work. I very intentionally keep those separate. I don't want to think about work on Sunday. I want to think about work Monday morning. So I do them separately because for my team at home, we really are a team. I've got two kids and a husband, and I don't have to be the one who does everything. I'm not, I don't have to be the one who remembers everything or make sure that everybody's doing their stuff. I can put my kids in charge. I actually started doing this with my kids when they were really, really little. And my son is now actually coming home from college today and he's doing it himself on his own right now as a sophomore in college okay wait pause tell me exactly what you did and what age because i answer this question tanya multi i have a, almost my son will be 10 in january my daughter my first daughter's eight my second daughter is six uh, five and a half and sometimes they'll say to me like we'll we'll have I don't know, gotten the results on a test or something. And my son will be like, or my daughter will be like, well, you didn't remind me to study for it. And I'm like, listen, oh, not your job, you know, not it's your not, job. And I, but then I'm like, they're so young that maybe it is. I don't, I don't know. And I, I'm, tr I really want them to have systems in life. So please tell me what you did with your kids specifically yeah. to make them accountable to themselves. Absolutely. And let me back this up just for a second, because the one thing we didn't talk about in my bio or anywhere else is that I used to be a teacher. So I actually taught mm -hmm. elementary school. So I have a whole background. So a lot of times when I'm giving advice to parents, I have a whole like- You, you have know, a whole wealth of experience to draw from. Yes. Oh my I gosh. Do. So it is us sitting down on, so I'll talk about the team planning. And I actually have a video on my YouTube channel where I walk through and you see me doing it with my kids, if that's even easier for people, um, which I can, I can give you that link, but it's on my YouTube channel. Um, but we sit down on Sundays. And the first thing we do is we write down, I use a notepad called the Weekly Kickstart, and it's from Inkwell mm -hmm. Press, which is a company I founded. Uh, and I designed it because it was so helpful for me. And it's been so helpful for thousands of women since I designed it. But it's got a spot where you can write down, like, what are the appointments? What are the important things that are going on? So we talk about, okay, Kay, you got volleyball on Tuesday. Jack, you have play practice on Wednesday. We write it down on that Kickstart. Then we go through and we talk about what does each kid have going on? Okay, what are the tasks and the projects? Oh, you have a book report? Where are you in the book report? What do you need to accomplish this week? So it's on them to know what they need to do. I write it down and I put it underneath their name in the weekly kickstart. And so we're talking as a family too about, okay, Jack's got a crazy week. He's got three play practices this week. You know, what can we do as a team mm -hmm. to support him? How can we help, you know, take on some of Jack's chores this week? Because it's a busy week for him. When Kay has a busy week, we take over some of her chores for her. If I have a busy week, guess what? They take over some of the chores that I'm in charge of too. Our job as a parent is to model for our kids that it's good to get support, that it's important that we get help outside of ourselves. So we sit down and we map that out. And then that pad, that little sheet of paper goes into our family headquarters, which is right next to the back door. So when my kids would come to me and say, hey, 
what's going on today? I would say, did you check the kickstart? And so I just trained them over and over again. Hey, did you check the kickstart? What do you need to get done? And then they know they're supposed to check it off, right? So we I'm write down like chores. I have to draw this in Sharpie on their forearms or something. They, my <laughs> kids will need like to just be able to go like this. This is brilliant because yeah. it gives them that visual cue too. And like what I'm starting to realize, especially as an adult, because, you know, we continue to learn just because we're out of school. We're not stopping learning things. And oh, I've no. begun to understand that the ways, the reasons I've succeeded in certain things and failed in other things, not was because of what I knew, but the systems I set up to teach myself how to do something. And so I, I'm... I've grasped that concept that, for example, like studying for a social studies test that my son had, I said, it's not about the tribe, the Indian tribes in Florida that you're trying. I mean, you're trying to learn that, but you're trying to learn how to learn too. So here's what I did that worked for me. And yeah. I showed him my note taking process, but I'm starting to realize it's teaching them the systems, but it's, it's like mm -hmm. a lot of work because we really don't know how we learn and we really don't know how we remember things or stay on task until we do a little bit of life. So it's not too young at like 10 or eight or five to be learning oh, this, no. right? No, I started doing this with my kids before they could read. We would post oh, stickers wow. or pictures, right? You just get pull clip art off of the internet that's like, you know, a soccer ball yeah. that's on Tuesday, right? And they can understand T is for Tuesday. Or I would say to them at the start of the day when they were really little, I'd say, hey, check the kickstart. Tell me what's going on today. And right. then okay. they're in charge of it. Um, and that's a really big thing is it's so much easier for us just to answer the questions for our kids to just say, oh, oh yeah, gosh. you have soccer today. But that's not investing in our kids. What we want to do is we want to invest in our kids. And this is true. Hey, I'm talking about kids, but I'm also talking about your team at your office as well. <laughs> this works there too, where you're saying, okay, where are you going to go to get the answers? Because eventually we want to take you out of the process. Mm -hmm. As I mentioned, my son's a sophomore in college now. He knows how to plan. He knows how to take his notes. He knows how to do all of those things because I wasn't answering that question for him over and over again. He was doing it himself. So that's why like, it's really important. This first yeah. P I think is so important because it gets everybody on the same page and that's really yeah. powerful. Right? Yeah. Yeah. That's, this is, this is like, I'm really, I'm feeling inspired now. And I mean, even, yeah, and I think what I'm going to do is just take a sheet of paper and keep it in the kitchen and just post it up somewhere and visually, because I don't want to lose the opportunity to make my kids feel like they're in charge of their own life. Like I, I am such the person yeah. and Rachel knows this. She stayed with me like a week or two ago. And there are so many questions coming at me every moment of, of an afternoon that yeah. I often find myself just it's easier for me to answer it, to do it, to get it. And it's, it's, it's like inertial. I have to stop or I will continue to do it. And I am not doing yep. them any favors by being Johnny on the spot for them. No, you're really not. Because what we want to do is we want to build their internal locus of control, which is the belief in ourselves that we are in control of our destiny. And with your kids, and I'm not saying for your kids, I mean, all kids in general, if we're constantly answering their questions, if we're constantly yeah. shuffling them from one thing to the next without them being in charge or independent, they learn to find their, their uh, soothing outside of themselves. And what we want to do is we want to yeah. build that internal locus of control so they have belief that they have the ability to do it as they move on. Because as your kids get older, you know, we want them to be much more autonomous. We're not going to be next to them all the time. When they're, you know, 14, 15, 16 years old, we want them making good choices when it really matters, when they're offered drugs or, you know, all these things that happen, unfortunately, when our kids get older and they're off into the world. We want them to feel really confident in their decision making. And this is a really strong way to start that. 
And this is true again with our teams at work. We want to make sure that they're mm. feeling autonomous and independent so that we're not the bottleneck at the office. Mm. So, I know an industry that's a bottleneck. Rachel and I worked in news. We were just talking. There was an industry <laughs> where you always had to go back up through the top. And it's really insanely mm. frustrating. I guess this is a parallel to children as well, to always feel like you have to get everything approved. You're like, I spent three hours doing this. And it can go up to that bottleneck, the person at the top of the, you know, of the triangle. And you're like, then they just shoot it down. And it's very disappointing as an employee. So I can see the benefit of this in a workplace environment too. Absolutely. And this is the thing, your your home is like a business. It's just a nonprofit. You're not making any money. You're losing money. <laughs> you're, you're losing a lot of right? money. But our product is that we're creating families with values and kids with ethics and who are able to be strong adults who go out into the world and do what's magical for them. Mm -hmm. We want that for them as much as we want that for ourselves, right? So that's our first P. We're going to sit down and you'll notice the only things that we plugged in day by day were the tasks, the appointments that were absolutely having to be done those days, the soccer practice, mm -hmm. the play practice, the dentist appointment, or whatever those things are. What I want you to do for the second P, so P is the purge. So that happens, you know, usually on Sundays or Monday morning. Then each day for five minutes, you're going to do processing. Sit down and figure out what you want to accomplish for that day and that day only. What happens is a lot of times on Sunday nights, we sit down and we map out, here's all the things I'm doing Monday, everything I'm doing Tuesday, everything I'm doing Wednesday, right? Mm -hmm. And then what happens is maybe Monday is very productive and you get a lot of things done. But Tuesday, maybe you have a sick kid who crawls into your bed or you wake up with medicine head, or, you know, you have allergies and all these other things going on. And Tuesday's a hot mess. Well, if you've planned everything you're doing Tuesday, you're behind. And right. then Wednesday morning, you wake up, you have all of Tuesday's things to do and Wednesdays. It's no surprise you already feel like a failure before you've even gotten out of bed. And then Thursday, you, that snowball is just rolling down the hill and, you know, throwing you over. So what we want to do is we want to process each day, treat each day as a new gift. It's a new opportunity. Check in. How do I feel today? Do I feel really energized and excited? I can put a little more on my plate. Is today kind of a rough day? I only got like two hours sleep last night because I was up in the middle of the night. I want to put less in my plate. Mm -hmm. And again, you heard me talk about how I like to start my day thinking about how do I want to feel at the end of the day? Do right. I want to feel present because my kids have, you know, an activity? Do I want to feel prepared because my, you know, I have a presentation to do in two days? How do I want to feel? So that's processing. That's our second P. Our first P was purge, process. Third P is to prioritize. I want you to prioritize. Don't just make a to-do list because a to-do list is way too long. I want you right. to prioritize and decide what needs to be accomplished first. And I have a whole system that I walk you through in The Joy of Missing Out of how you create that priority list for yourself. The three different levels are that you wanna escalate, it's important and it's urgent, cultivate, it's important but not really urgent, but those are the tasks that are really the investments, right? And then the bottom category is accommodate, tasks that are not really important but feel like an urgent fire. So you're gonna prioritize, you're gonna figure out what are the things I need to accomplish first, then next, and so on. That's our third P. Our fourth P is then to protect. We need to protect our calendar. Go ahead and block out your day. Put in like these time slots where it's you're thinking to yourself, okay, I'm working on this from nine o'clock to 10 o'clock. I know I'm super productive from two to three. I'm going to block in and I'm going to put in that I'm going to work on this project. I know after lunch, that's a time where I'm not as productive. That's a time for me to make phone calls and do those kinds of things. So really start protecting your calendar so that those priorities on your list get accomplished.
So that's our fourth P. We've had purge, process, prioritize, protect. Our last P is to propel. And that's really about setting yourself up for success for tomorrow. Um, I have a great activity that I do. It takes five minutes a day. And actually, I have a free challenge where the, the listeners and the watchers today, they can actually do this five minutes to propel yourself into tomorrow so you feel prepared, you feel ready, you feel excited, and you're really checking in with yourself how you're doing. So mm -hmm. purge, process, prioritize, protect, and propel. But you'll notice in all of this, there's a lot of grace. There's a lot of flexibility mm -hmm. because life is messy. Life demands flexibility. So that's why we're processing each day. That's why we are choosing the priorities. That's why we're choosing when we want to block things into our calendar. Yeah, I'm hearing the strong undertone, the theme of choice as well. To-do yes. lists can feel like our opponents sometimes, like, oh God, I have to tackle this. I got to get this guy down. And when you introduce the element of choice and prioritization, at least for me, it helps me just feel gentler with myself overall and know that I'm only letting into my schedule things that actually need to be there. Yeah, we have more choices than we think. I think one of the things I'll hear from people, they'll say, oh, I don't have any control over my calendar. Well, if you don't have control over your calendar, who does? Your boss, your kids, your spouse, who is it that you think controls it? Because you're the gatekeeper. You decide who's getting into your calendar and who's not. You know, one of the things that um, I'll hear a lot is that, well, my boss is putting so much on my plate or I have way too many things to do. And I'll say, have you checked in? Have you asked why? Why do I have so many things on my plate, right? Getting back to that question, questioning it. What do I need to prioritize here? If you have a boss or a manager, asking them, telling them, hey, these are the things on my plate. What would you like me to prioritize? And what do you think I should take off my plate? A lot of times, if you have a boss or a manager, they don't realize how much they put mm -hmm. on your plate. I'm telling mm -hmm. you that as a boss, as a manager myself of people, I forget. I'm too busy looking at my own plate. I forgot what I put on their plate. Or so, if you're running a business, asking yourself, why am I doing all these things? Are these really bringing us the ROI mm -hmm. that we're looking for, right? For the people who have blocked out eight to 10 hours a day for work away from homework, so these are the people who are maybe still not as flexible as a lot of companies have sort of tracked toward after COVID, give advice to them because there are many industries where people are legitimately out of pocket for eight hours a day, whether their job is on the road and they can't be, you know, um, productive on multiple fronts at once, or whether they just actually have to be fully in for those eight hours. Give us advice on what to do with that, that precious chunk of time that's left over. Yeah. Well, again, let's get back to that question of why. Why do I want to do the things that I'm already filling it with? And doing right. a check-in with how are you filling your time? A lot of times it's amazing because we will go to work and we'll fill the calendar and we'll block things out and we'll prioritize. And then we hit home from five o'clock at night or six o'clock or whatever time you're getting home until morning. And we haven't prioritized anything. We're just like, oh, I don't know. I just want it to feel good. But then we end up somehow not feeling good. And this happens on our weekends. We don't plan anything for our weekend. And then we wonder why on Sunday we feel like, gosh, I don't, what did I even do? Or I feel worse than I did before. Really asking yourselves, what is it I want to do? So again, mm -hmm. it's kind of like what we talked about there for work, but on a lighter tone. I like to sit down on Thursday nights and I have a conversation with my husband. And I ask him, you know, what is it we want to do this weekend? What are the things that we're excited about? 
um, what are the things that we really want to do this weekend? And we choose two or three things that we really want to do. And we make sure we do those two or three things. The rest of it's all just gravy. Mm -hmm. So again, it really is about hitting those things that are priorities, choosing how we spend our time. Tanya, thank you so much for your time, guys. Just a, a quick shout out. If you want to work with Tanya, I think we're experiencing some audio difficulties. So I'm going to hop in and tell you quickly how to find her. Her website is tanyadalton.com. That's T-A-N-Y-A. D-A-L-T-O-N.com. You can follow her on Instagram at tanya.i.dalton. She has tons of resources on her website, as well as a link to the podcast speaking. So if you're interested in having her on board for a keynote speaker, that is also there. And uh, yeah, Tanya, thank you for this much needed wake up call and um, this, this call to be more productive in a smart way in our lives. Thank you so, so much. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of We Gotta Talk. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe, and follow along on Instagram at Sunny Abata, S-O-N-N-I-A-B-A-T-T-A. All of the latest blog posts are at wegotatalk.com slash blog. Hey.